Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first uh, version of St. Louis Cardinals Prospect Macarena. Um, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go. By the way, I'm your host. I am Kyle Reese for Birds on the Black, uh, Prospects After Dark, and I guess the Charlie Marlowe YouTube station. Uh, you know, my hope here is that we can have a nice community outreach, community outpour. Uh, you guys can ask some questions, and um, we can uh, we can communicate. We can talk about the Cardinals prospects. I'm hopeful. Uh, we might as well get right to it. Uh, the lovely and talented Christian Rabbit has a question. Uh, let's go ahead and click on Christian. Hold on. Add as a speaker. And it says it's connecting. Christian, can you hear me? I can indeed, Kyle. Can you all hear me? Oh, my God. You sound beautiful. Christian, What? Uh, what's going on, bud? Hey man, uh, so I'm not sure how much uh, how much you've gotten to watch the main team, given the amount of work that you do covering the prospects. But um, I'm curious to see, uh, curious to hear what your impression is after 14 games, and think what prospects in particular could help the team going forward. Uh, areas of weakness that maybe the Cardinals need to address, and I guess the arms or bats that could fill those spaces. Yeah, you know, uh, my first thought, Christian. By the way, I love you. Thank you for uh, for for being a part of this. Thank you for. Um you know, taking part in it. Uh, my first thought is I've been really impressed with the pitching. I know that it has been uneven. I know that uh, Wayno had a bad start today. He was kind of iffy in his last start. I, I know that it has been uneven from a starting staff, but I've, I've been really excited by what we've seen out of the bullpen in particular, uh, especially because of the concern level that we all had for, for the major league staff. I think that, uh, you know, if things get a little weird. I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Jake Walsh. I think uh, right-handed pitcher Jake Walsh, who the Cardinals drafted in the 16th round of, I believe, the 2016 or 2017 draft. At this point, I believe uh, with his curveball, his high RPM curveball, and his mid to high 90s fastball, that he could be uh, a vital asset for the Cardinals as a right-handed relief option. And you know, that says nothing for for maybe Connor Thomas, the lefty who throws. Uh, four pitches, who's more of a ground ball command contact pitcher, and what we've seen out of Matthew Libertor if, if uh, some of the pitchers had some issues moving forward uh, in the starting staff. So uh, I've been I've been really impressed with what we've seen out of the bullpen. I think that the pitching from a starting standpoint is still going to be uneven, uh, even though, you know, Matt's has been good more than he's been bad. Hudson's been good more than he's been bad. Wayno's good more than bad. Like every one of the starters in the staff have been good more than they've been bad. Uh, I, I think it's going to be that level of consistent inconsistency throughout the year for them. Uh, and more importantly, I, I think the thing that I like the most is what we've seen out of Jordan Hicks. Like uh, pretty awesome to watch Jordan Hicks pitch in a starting role uh, the, the way that we've seen him pitch out of a starting role. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's my thought. I, I, it's good to win every series that you can win. And I'm hopeful that they uh, that they keep it up. Um, Christian, how how was that? Is there anything else you want me to go over there? No, I think you I think you covered it pretty well. I mean, uh, I will say this: I was impressed with Hudson yesterday, particularly as uh, he you know he appeared to struggle to command quite a bit, but he was always he was always attacking behind, which um, isn't something that I've usually seen from Hudson. Again, I'm no baseball expert. I'm in fact I'm an idiot. But um, the one thing I can say for sure is that I how well Hudson pitched out of the jam yesterday. So, yeah, it said that uh, I saw that uh, by every measurable um, qualifier, his slider and his sinker were both well above pitches, uh, above average pitches uh, from a profile standpoint. So, yeah, to your point, like uh, really impressive. That's, you know, that's one of the things that we've seen Jake Woodford, speaking of half prospects, half not, like one of the ways that he's changed is the way that he attacks like in the minor leagues he was at his best when he attacked and in the majors to start he was not attacking and then when he came back uh down the stretch during the 2021 season jake woodford was a completely different pitcher he was aggressive he was attacking even behind in counts just like you're saying with hudson yeah. uh, and then we saw woodford pitch really well yes, he again looked, he looked good today woodford did yeah yeah i thought so too uh, hopefully we'll see more of him i know that's been one of the gripes of the fans and i don't blame him at all you know uh I know that Jason Isringhausen has been like the champion of Jake Woodford within the organization for years. A lot has to do with that, that big curveball of his, uh, that big breaking pitch. But yeah, like uh, I hope so, bud. I hope so. Now don't, don't go away, Christian. I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing where I remove from speakers and okay. then uh, it looks like, it looks like Graham has a request. Uh, 
I almost feel like as I add Graham as a speaker, I almost feel like we probably should have started with Graham as he's my special little uh, little man peach. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm good, Kyle. How are you? Oh, my God. You sound great. What's going on? Nothing much. Just got home from High Point. Oh, did you really? Yeah. You're not making this up, are you? No. <laughs> do you have a question for me? Or you just yeah, I do have a question for you. Oh, Give me your question. Okay, so uh, when we were coming into spring training, the the news came out that you know the Cardinals wanted to stretch out Reyes and Hicks um, to be starters. And I was wondering why the Cardinals, it seems like, don't have an interest in having Ryan Helsley uh, stretch out as a starter. Great question. You know, I think uh, again, I can't really speak for the Cardinals and what their plans are. I think entering this year with Helsley. They were just trying to get him healthy, you know, coming back from the knee injury, uh, rehabbing the knee. And uh, they probably viewed, again, if you're going to if you're going to do it with a couple guys, if you're going in, you think Alex Reyes, we're going to try to start him as a starter. Uh, Jordan Hicks, we're going to try to get him stretched out a little bit as a starter. And you have minor league options as well. And then you start bringing in guys like Aaron Brooks and Drew Verhagen, regardless of what our thoughts on those guys are. Uh, you know, you still have Jake Woodford, you still have Johan Oviedo, and I would imagine that the Cardinals viewed their entire pitching landscape and thought, well, let's just get Helsley back to the pitcher that he was before his knee really started bothering him. And, uh, you know, let, let's see what it looks like. I, I definitely think that, you know, if I were to wager, we'll never see the Ryan Helsley as a starter thing that I've always wanted. Uh, you know, there were times when Ryan Helsley was as dominant of a minor league starter as maybe the Cardinals have had you know, throughout the years, especially at the upper levels. And he was throwing four pitches, although two of them were fringy pitches. You know, his his changeup and his curveball were both fringy pitches at some times. But, yeah, you know, the the fastball and the little cut slider thing that he has, like those were really good pitches. And he those other two pitches were good enough to keep hitters off balance. And I am bummed that we might not ever get a chance to see that. And it doesn't sound like we'll ever get to see it. But, uh, you know, the – Pitching depth at the major league level, you can just never have enough of it. And, you know, who's to say what next offseason looks like, what the end of this year looks like, and who might go into a rotation spot next year. But, yeah, you know, uh, uh, th- that would be my guess, Graham, as to why they would, uh, they've would they never done it. Thank you for answering that, Kyle. My pleasure, Graham. Uh, do you have any more questions? Nope. Only care about Ryan Helsley. Good. That's all we care about in here is Ryan Helsley. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to mute you. I'm going to remove you from speaker, and we're going to we're going to continue on. I, I do want to say uh, again, if you guys have questions, please chime in. I would love to uh, field your questions here. Don't be scared. Nothing to be scared about. I won't bite. Uh, but you know, uh, for me, a couple of the things that really stood out to me about this week, um, the start by Matthew Libertor earlier in the week, I was super impressed with. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned it in a tweet, but, you know, seven innings, nine Ks, two hits. And what really stuck out is that he was commanding all of his pitches. You know, he was hitting uh, he was hitting every quadrant of, of the strike zone. He was hitting the glove. He was using the fastball up and out to righties. He was using the changeup low and out uh, to, to righties. What was even more impressive is he was using the curve to righties and he was getting some really nasty half swings and full swings. And uh, that's that's Matthew Liberador at his best. There were times at the end of last year when he was dialing his velocity up, which his velocity was 96, 95, 94 yes, or two days ago. Uh, but he was uh, he was really dialing his velocity up and he was showing, you know, the ability to command and control a couple pitches at a time, just not doing it consistently. And he uh, to see him do that all in once yesterday, especially with how uneven his prior starts had been up until that point was a positive. I, I cannot wait to see what Matthew Libertor's next start is. All right, so what we have next, we have a couple people requesting. Uh, e. Bale underscore 25. Uh, I'm adding you as a speaker, and once this thing connects, I will ask you to ask your question. How are you, E. Bale? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Hey, hey what's, what's up, up man? Uh, yeah, my question for you, um, first of all, I've seen a lot of tweets lately about Nolan Gorman home runs. I know he's up to nine now. Is it nine? Eight or nine? I can't remember. Uh, it's eight, I believe. Eight? Okay. So my question is, with Paul DeYoung struggling once again, uh, he has a way to, way to run, create a plus of 65. Um, 
looks like the pressure's mounting. What's a realistic time frame you think Nolan Gorman could be up? I, I, I was thinking like June or July, but it seems like the he's pushing pretty quickly. So, yeah, my question for you is what's a realistic time frame you think Gorman could be called up and taken over second base? I think, uh, by the way, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm going to leave you on here and feel free to try to interrupt me at any point or uh, uh, don't be don't be hesitant to ask a follow up. I'm about it. Uh, Sean Schneider and Maddie Ice, you guys have a request and we'll get to you in a second. But, uh, you know, my thought is I we know how the Cardinals operate, right? They like to stick with their 40 man. Uh, and also there is a loyalty there to Edmundo Sosa. So. I, I don't know what that means at first. Like, I think that right now it feels like Nolan Gorman is pushing the topic. You know, he's hitting home runs. We're starting to see over his last couple of weeks, starting to cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. Uh, but, you know, in my mind, there's a pecking order here that the Cardinals usually try to follow. And, and some people view that as uh, uh, service time manipulation. I don't think that's the case here. But I would suspect that, you know, say Paul DeYoung uh, doesn't stick around. Uh, say that say that he stays on the bench for a little bit more than just today and tomorrow, like it's been reported. You know, I would think Edmundo Sosa gets the first crack to be a shortstop for the starting shortstop for a little bit uh, with with Edmund as you know the second baseman. Where it becomes interesting is what happens with Brendan Donovan. In my opinion, we are starting to see Brendan Donovan put it together like he did for all of last season. Uh, right now at AAA, and I personally believe uh, again, not taking anything away from Nolan Gorman, but. It, and not to say the Cardinals would ever just go with Donovan because he is on the 40 man already, but I envision a situation in which Brendan Donovan might actually get that first shot uh, to, to, you know, at the major league level in part because of his position versatility. I think that makes a huge difference, a huge deal. I, I think, he, you know, he's capable of playing first, capable of playing third, capable of playing second, roaming the outfield. Uh, and, you know, sure, the Cardinals bats are quite, kind of quiet right now. They haven't hit a home run what feels like, you know, the entire week. I think it's been five games. But they could just as easily go on a streak. Again, it's, it's concerning they're not hitting home runs, especially, you know, leaving Cincinnati. Um, you know, other than Goldie, really. But, yeah, it's like it's I, – I would say that it's all about the situation and what the situation presents. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the idea, as hot as Nolan Gorman has been, I want to see him get a chance to struggle again at AAA and work his way out of it before he makes his way to the majors again. But, you know, that being said, in two weeks, if he still hasn't struggled and the Cardinals' bats are as quiet as they feel like they are right now, then I, I would not be afraid to pull the trigger and, and bring Nolan Gorman up if he's hot. How's that? Do you have, uh, you have any follow-ups or any other ideas or any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess a follow up would be you. You kind of mentioned it, but it seems like the middle infield has been an area that could be. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I guess odd man out because you have DeYoung, you have Sosa, you have Gorman, you have Edmund, you have Donovan. If if there was to be a trade, who who do you think would like most likely be would be shipped? Oh man! If there great. if there was to be a log jam. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I uh, I would think that the Cardinals would probably – I guess it just depends on what they need, right? If they're trying to add to the Major League staff, uh, I would think that your, your first bet would be that it, it would probably be someone like Brendan Donovan. You know, it's not for them to, to trade someone like Nolan Gorman. You know, they, they've never traded their top prospects like that. Brett Wallace and Zach Cox are exceptions, but that they're, they're two huge exceptions. So I, I wouldn't think – I would think Gorman is probably not untouchable, but – He's probably as close to untouchable as you're talking about. So I would think that if the Cardinals wanted to add a starter from a team that's trying to rebuild, then Brendan Donovan would be one of those guys. Um, and then, you know, I, I they seem entrenched with Tommy Edmond. You know, that's part of the reason why I've been in favor with having Edmond be the shortstop pretty well. You know, uh, Edmond getting a real shot to be the shortstop with, uh, you know, the second base spot kind of open uh, as opposed to DeYoung or Sosa. Uh, but I, I would also think, that of that, like, I would think DeYoung would be the one that they would trade because, you know, there, there is a history of the Cardinals kind of, you know, last minute trading someone like Paul DeYoung for, uh, you know, a prospect that either never sees the light of day or ends up being Juan Yepes, who none of us appreciate at the beginning. So I, I would think, like, it, it, it depends. I, I would think DeYoung would be the guy if, if they're just trying to clear a spot. You know, he get the Aledmi's DS treatment where he get traded for uh, – uh, jb woodman or whatever and uh just to clear like a 40 spot for gorman or whatever unless the cardinals were trying to add 
major league ready pitching to their to their staff. And then I would think that it would probably be Brendan Donovan. All right, man. I appreciate appreciate you answering the questions. That's all I got for you. But before I do go, I got two words. Ah. Jordan Walker. Thanks for attending <laughs> my TED talk. Thank you. I love it. I love it, brother. Th- thank you so much for being a part of it. Yeah, uh, we'll remove you as a speaker, and then we'll say, yeah, Jordan Walker. Uh, you can't get enough of the kid. You know, he made a really great defensive play today. He's hitting the ball to a right field a lot. Not a much slug, but he's doing more than you could ever imagine or ever hope for from a 19 year old at Double A. Uh, uh, Matty Ice, I'm going to get to you next after we get to uh, Sean Snyder underscore Achilles heel here. I'm adding you as a speaker, Sean. I hope you are doing well. Let me know what you got. You there, Sean? Oh, boy. See, I can't figure this out. Sean, are you there? Mike's on. Sorry, there was like a little mic's off but in that uh, I'm new to the whole Twitter spaces thing, but Hey, this was my, my, my first time too. And I had my mic off when I started and I had to restart. So you're totally fine, Sean. Uh, how are you tonight? Doing good. Um, so I, I've seen on Twitter a couple times um, about like updates about Libro tour and just given like who he is as like a, was as a prospect is as a prospect um, and kind of like the updates we've gotten in the past. I was, you know, you said that there were like, multiple different stars that he, you know, he looked off, he, you know, looked on. And I was wondering if you could give like some assessment, if you have it, um, of maybe why he looked so on in his last start and whether it like has any relevance to kind of like his like fastball curve, like kind of playing off each other, his other pitches playing off each other, or whether it's just kind of like still to be seen. It's like kind of like still kind of like those randoms. Like if, if there's anything to actually glean from that, like hype wise or whether, you know, like what your opinion is on him as a prospect now. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's still early in the year and it's hard to really take much from what you're seeing early in the start. But I think, let me tell you why I think that this is a particularly great question because the one thing that was abundantly clear from the beginning of his start, uh, his last start was he was, he was in bulldog mode. Like he was fiery. You could see him on the mound. He was working quick. You know, his, his body motions, they have a different, like, his motion, his pitching motion has like a different demeanor about it when he's, when he's in full on attack, I'm going to go get it mode. And that's, that's what he was in. Uh, it, the, the best way to explain it is he, even the balls that he was throwing, they were strikes. Uh, and he was committed to those pitches being strikes. He was working the entire zone and, you know, it's probably not a good, a good thing. You don't want him to like, you don't want an umpire to feel like he's showing him up. But there would be times where Libertor would throw a strike three. If we were doing the ABS system in the International League, it would have been a strike three. The umpire called it a ball. Libertor is already four feet off of the mound walking towards the dugout. He just turned around, got back on the mound, and would throw a strike. He was so just- you you, you kind of got the sense that like he feels like he's taking a step so that he's playing more of like a bulldog role as opposed to knowing that he's still in development and like you think that he might think that he can take a next step or um, like – how would why would you think that the bulldog mentality is kind of like relevant there? I think I think with you know with a lot of pitchers in particular, it's about confidence, right? Like uh, when you're when you're in full on bulldog confident mode, you know it's not something that you can manufacture. You can go into a start and say, "I'm confident. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna own this start." But once you start pitching, like you can't always be that. Some people can, you know. Chris Carpenter was like that, but not everyone has that. Very, I would I would probably guess that you know, there's less people that have it even at the major league level than people that, that don't have it. And I just have a feeling that he went into that game and the swagger was there. And, uh, you know, he capitalized on that swagger that he was producing. And I know that that seems like the, uh, you know, it's not measurable. You can't measure that, but that's, that's what I noticed. And it's, I don't think it's any surprise that he had that swagger that, you know, what will default to as the bulldog mentality that I, that I keep defaulting to. Uh, he had that and it just so happened that it came with, you know, command. It came with, you know, from what I understand, he had a couple extra hundred RPMs on all of his pitches, you know, you know, like he was just, he was in the zone the other day, which was encouraging because it seemed like in his prior three starts, he wasn't quite there. You know, those first starts, he was battling fastball command. Uh, he was battling fastball velocity and the third start, he was battling his slider a little bit. Um, so 
to see it all come together, especially as he started using his changeup more in this fourth start, which is something that I'm a big fan of. Like, I want him to use his changeup more. I, I'm kind of bummed that Andre Pallante hasn't, isn't, you know, he's in the bullpen. He's pitching well. He's probably entrenched in the bullpen. I'd like to see him go back down to be a starter uh, when rosters contract because he was always at his best when he would throw his changeup more frequently in game. And uh, so I think that there's something to be said that, you know, these guys with the changeup being as much of a field pitch as it is, they almost thrive on being able to go to that a little bit more too. And then somehow, you know, if there is Palante a lefty too, or is that just Libertor in this situation? Just Libertor. Palante is a righty. He's pitching out of the Cardinals right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, cool. like, yeah, they, they just, you know, there's something about that, like, change up sometimes with, with really gifted pitchers where if they can use it, then it actually, and if they're feeling it, then they end up feeling all their other pitches a little bit better, too. Uh, okay. So I, yeah, I just bring that up to, to emphasize. Probably the last question, that last question for you, because I know you got, like, a bunch of people on here. Yeah. Um, cool, cool platform. Um, okay, so you said that the ABS system, they're using that down in AAA, AA, is that right, or...? It's, it's okay. So it's in a couple different leagues. Like uh, in AAA, the Cardinals are a part of the International League, or Memphis rather. The Memphis Redbirds are part of the International League. They used to be a part of the Pacific Coast League, and uh, one of the divisions. The I guess. Coast I guess my question was was more along the lines of: Does the ABS system utilize Pitchcom as well? So like. Basically, like I know that because it, you know it's Yachty, and because kind of like the Cardinals are, are probably gonna you know take a little more time to like fully implement a system as opposed to kind of rush into kind of the vanguard of something like that. Um, like, do, do the guys who are still in development do they like realize or like you know do are they utilizing these different systems so that like it's kind of fluid with like Neiser or uh, Herrera or whatever whatever comes next? Um, like, do you, you get where I'm going with that or? Yeah, yeah, you're asking, is it something that... Uh, Pitchcom and ABS, are those paired together in the minor leagues, or is ABS simply like kind of like the robo on side and Pitchcom's completely separate and they're only using that on the in the major leagues? Yeah, it's completely different. You know, the automated ball and strike system, the ABS system, that's that's robo-umps. It's, it's the same thing. So if you hear people say ABS, they're just talking about like the quote-unquote robo-ump. And then the Pitchcom is just, that's completely different. That's just so catchers and pitchers can communicate without flashing signs. So they're not using that down there. I'm sorry. They're not using Pitchcom down there. Uh, now I can't. I know the Cardinals are not using it organization wide just yet. Uh, got I it, also got it. know that I know that that system has had more issues than the ABS system has had. You know, uh, with breaking down, not working uh, the, the way that they wanted to just yet. So there got are it. there are teams, there are organizations that are implementing it. From what I understand, it is something that's being used a little bit in like. You know, uh, there's a group of prospects that aren't on an affiliated full-season roster. They're down at the complex. The complexes are starting to get used to it just a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's still a very flawed system that, that is getting worked out. All right. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you for taking part. Uh, let's see. I'm going to remove from speaker. And then we're going to go to our good friend, uh, Matt Graves, Matty Ice. Uh, Matt, I hope that you were doing well. The little thing is telling me that you're connecting. It also has, there we go, Matty. What's up, brother? Hey, Kyle. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> so uh, you talked a little bit about Gorman's hot start. Great to see. Uh, what has he changed and what's kind of sparked that as far as differences between even spring and this year and last year and this year? You know, I will say, Matt, uh, at the end of last year for that last month, his batting average tanked. You know, he was hitting below 200, and it didn't come with a lot of power. But he had really started to um, cut the strikeouts out. And I feel like, first off, you can tell he's – I mean, he's always been a big, thick, like, country-strong kid. But you can tell he's gotten bigger and stronger. Uh, that aside, because I don't think that, that really plays into this conversation so much. But I, I do think that one thing that that is obvious is, you know – Sometimes with free swingers, just like with with um, Tyler O'Neill, you know, I will always I will always do the compare and contrast thing with Tyler O'Neill and Nolan Gorman, even though one's left handed and one's right handed, because they are big time power bats that have the ability to walk. If for no other reason than teams are scared of them, it's just a matter of how they implement their approach to uh, the practical application of slugging. And those are the type of prospects that always take the longest amount of time. Right now, one of the things, and this is what we saw last year when he was at Springfield before getting promoted to Memphis, is he's taking advantage of pitchers who are pitching him uh, in a very, 
in a very predictable way. They're trying to stay away from him. So that means, uh, especially with breaking pitches, that means he can sit on a lot of breaking pitches, a lot of loopy breaking pitches on the outside half and slug them. You'll notice that a lot of his home runs so far have been that. Uh, not not completely restricted to that, but that. Uh, and I think, I think now, again, he's still striking out too much, but I think what we're starting to see is that implementation of um, – you know, uh, the implementation of the advanced approach that he was showing last year with the heart, you know, at the end of the year when he wasn't hitting the ball hard with the hard hit contact rate that we saw at Springfield pretty much until he got promoted to Memphis. You know, he got off to such a bad start at Springfield. He was, you know, terrible for the first three weeks and then bust out. But, you know, I, I know we've, we've seen these commercials for win reality, um, the virtual reality system. We know that Nolan Gorman is a big fan of that. And I, I know that, you know, he subscribes to that. He utilizes that. And I know that, you know, that's been a big help for him uh, utilizing that. So, yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I know it's kind of a long, generic way of saying that what I've noticed is that he's just become now that he's getting more reps, you know, he's just become a more advanced and more polished hitter that that is aware of how he's getting pitched and he's aware of how he can take advantage of being pitched that way. Uh, when, when he was at Peoria all those years ago, because. I can't keep track of it. When he was at Peoria all of those years ago, one of my big complaints is that he he really struggled with inside breaking pitches, and he really struggled with inside heat, especially low. And, uh, you know, you'd watch pitchers bounce him pitches in the dirt, and he'd go swinging at it. He doesn't get that pitch so much anymore. And when he does, if it's missed, if the guy doesn't miss, doesn't exactly hit their spot, he'll hit it. Now, he still might strike out sometimes, especially if it's heat low that he's not expecting. But he's, he has the ability now to kind of adjust to that pitch and do what he can with it as opposed to just swinging freely at it all the time. And I think, I think that definitely goes into uh, to why he's having as much success as he's having. That's awesome. Thank you. Did any of that make sense, Matt? Because I just kind of like blacked out. No, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, he's really good, big, strong country boy. Love it. <laughs> he is too. And, you know, uh, we, we gift him a little bit earlier and – you know, I think one of the things we learned with Juan Yepes and the Cardinals is the Cardinals, even for a guy who's going to get primary DH time, uh, the Cardinals do value defense. And part of the reason why Juan Yepes isn't with the major league club, other than none of them got a fair shake in spring training, you know, 15 at bats uh, after a shortened spring training with following a lockout, like you just, you can't make up those at bats. But we know that uh, Juan Yepes, part of the reason why he didn't really get uh, uh, an extended look is because he struggles defensively and because he doesn't run the bases as great as the Cardinals need him to, you know, you almost have to be flawless in those two areas to, to really make an impression. And what we've seen out of Gorman defensively, which is just as important is that sure. There's some things that he does that are a little quirky. It doesn't exactly look like uh, your, your prototypical second baseman, but he's taken such strong strides. So he's made so many positive moves forward as a defensive second baseman that uh, you know he's going to be fine there at the very least. It kind of reminds me of like 2011 David Freeze where, you know, maybe for seven innings, uh, Nolan Gorman's your second baseman and you're fine. You don't have to worry about it. He provides a couple of really big, key important bats. And then, you know, you put in a defensive replacement. And then by 20, you know, 2023, 2024, you have your every day, every inning second baseman, just like uh, David Freeze was back then. So uh, sorry to continue to hijack your question. But, yeah, that's just some more important things uh, in regards to Nolan Gorman as a full-on prospect. No, that was perfect. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Matt. You're the best. I'm going to remove you from being a speaker. And, again, uh, just to everybody who might be new in here, the plan is with this little Q&A, what we're calling the Prospect Macarena, my hope is that you guys will ask a lot of your prospect questions that you tweet at me. Um, you know, I, what I should do is I should start saving some of those and then going over them here. Uh, you know, right now, Moises Gomez, the uh, Cardinals minor league free agent for Springfield, the outfielder, 23 years old, that the Cardinals signed after Tampa let him go. Uh, Moises Gomez is probably the, the, the hottest name in the Cardinals organization right now that isn't one of their top tier prospects that everyone knows. You know, Gomez hit his ninth home run again today. He's hitting the ball hard everywhere. He threw a runner out at second. He's making diving plays out in the outfield. Uh, you know, you never want to get too excited about a kid who struck out 40, almost 40, you know, 38.5% of the time in 2021. Um, 
Uh, you never want to get overly excited about that, but it's it's awesome to watch Moises Gomez put it together for the St. Louis Cardinals. I, it seems to me like uh, Gomez, and again, guys, I, I would really hope, I'm really hopeful you guys um, ask some questions here. If you want to talk, uh, you have any thoughts, I would love it, but it's been really awesome to see Moises Gomez uh, just break for Springfield and do everything well. He's kind of a clunky guy, uh, but he's still really athletic for being as clunky as he is. He kind of has that... Uh, that Malcolm Nunez quality about him where he's sneaky athletic because of how his build is. Um, it, there could be a really fun thing here with Moises Gomez where he ends up being just another version of uh, Marcelo Zuna, maybe. But again, I don't feel like I've seen enough of him to be able to say exactly how I feel about him just yet. I do know that it seems like he has a little hole for high fastballs right now that he can't get to uh, while he's absolutely torching breaking pitches all over the zone. So uh, we have another, another question asker and. Uh, holy underscore Schilt. Uh, Nick, uh, I'm adding you as a speaker, my friend. I hope that you are doing well. Thank you for being in here. What you got? All right. So, yeah, I got to now that uh, Paul DeYoung is struggling. Uh, I was reading a rumor a couple months ago that uh, Trevor Story was willing to take a one year feeler deal. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm glad it didn't happen. You know, I, I you know, I, I don't know. Wait, so all of those shortstops, right? They're not doing particularly well right now, right? Even uh, uh, all of those big name shortstops that that they, none of them are doing particularly well. I have always been an internal guy, right? Like you guys know me. I watch, I watch more minor leagues than I should. Uh, I try to keep you guys as updated on as possible. Uh, if if story would have taken a one year feel, feeler deal, then you know maybe it would have been worth it, but it didn't work out that way. And I've always been the champion of let me see what Nolan Gorman has. Let me see what Brendan Donovan has. You know, move Edmund to shortstop like he was in the minors. And, you know, again, this is like a minor-oriented podcast, which gives us a chance to talk about what Tommy Edmund was at the minor leagues and at Stanford. He was a capable, above-capable, and very rangy defensive shortstop in the organization uh, before he was brought up to the majors. Uh, His arm was a little suspect sometimes, but he was a rangy, rangy outfield – or a rangy, rangy shortstop, rather – and he was impressive over there. Now, we haven't seen it much at the major league level for whatever reason. Um, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable. Maybe the Cardinals don't feel comfortable with it. I'm not 100% sure. But I do know that what I what I would like to see, especially because I view, uh, you know, Tyler O'Neill, I view Goldschmidt, Arenado, uh, and Carlson to a lesser degree as stabilizing forces in the lineup. And I would like to see those internal options get some time. You know, if, if you're going to invest money in, into pro scouting and amateur scouting, and you're going to have these prospects, eventually they need to get a chance. Uh, what we've seen with the Cardinals over the years, the guys who don't get a chance or don't get a real chance or get a real chance for a minute and then it goes away, we've seen them go to other teams and produce. You know, Luke Voigt got a chance, was really good, got sent down, got brought up, sat on the bench forever, got traded for Giovanni Gallegos, which worked out great for the Cardinals. Uh, a Rosarena, you know, we all know about Randy, uh, you know, Jose Velez Garcia, who's had some really great moments with some strikeouts and some some loud numbers with some very, very uh, quiet numbers, too, at the same time. But, you know, Lane Thomas has had some good moments since since leaving the Cardinals. Uh, but what we've seen is those guys, those those prospects, you know, not, not John Nagowski's uh, and not John Nagowski, but like those prospects, those real prospects. We've seen them go other places and produce and. You know, as, as somebody who watches a lot of the guys that are being talked about as a, a middle infield option for the Cardinals, I believe that Nolan Gorman is going to produce. I believe that Brendan Donovan is going to produce. Like, you guys know you guys know what I've been saying. I view Brendan Donovan as, like, a legitimate starting second baseman at the major league level. I hear all this talk about him being a fringy defender. It's, it's BS. It's not real. He's above fringy. He's average. He's going to be fine anywhere you put him, specifically at second and third. Uh, so the one year Trevor story would have been fun. It would have been another bat. It would have been another name to get excited about. I'm sure, I'm sure Nolan Arenado would have loved it. Uh, he got Corey Dickerson, his friend, Corey Dickerson, instead of uh, his friend, Trevor story. And, uh, I think that I'm excited for whatever the next step is for the Cardinals internal options. Uh, does that answer your question at all? My friend? Uh, yeah. Uh, I have a couple more. Um, Bring it. No one else is asking questions. It's your floor. So so here we go. What is, uh, or how is Tink Hens doing? As well as 
Zach Thompson. And how would you feel about snagging Kumar Rocker in the draft at some point, whether he slips or he's a first rounder? How would you feel? You know, I'm, I like Kumar. I know he's a good, smart kid. I know he's a highly thought of young man. And those are like important things to me. Uh, as dumb as that is, I never thought I'd be that way. But the older I get, like the more important I think that is. I don't know what his draft stock looks like. I, you know, I would imagine that you're probably talking about, you know, second to third round, unless somebody's going to try to get crazy. You never know what the Oakland A's are going to do. Maybe there's a quarterback that they're going to draft with their first pick. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, uh, so yes, you know, if he's available and the money's right and you can make it work, uh, I don't want it in the first round, but maybe somewhere along the lines. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about it. You know, I, I'm pro pitching. You can never have enough pitching. So draft all the pitchers is my thought. Uh, I know that pitchers get hurt. They flame out. You never know. I understand the thought process about drafting bats. I think that that's probably more foolproof. I think that's smarter than my, my philosophy, Uh, but you know, I'm an idiot and I'll stick with my stuff. Uh, As far as Tink Hens goes, he, along with a lot of the other teenage prospects are at that, what I'm calling extended spring training, Uh, you know, getting reps, working out, doing that, Uh, you know, Guys like Tink Hentz, Winbin Cho, um, Luis Pino, uh, uh, Trey Fletcher, Joshua Baez, they're kind of like the casualty of the – you know, they suffer from minor league contraction because we would see those guys at State College or Johnson City come June when that season started. And now because contraction is in place, because those are not affiliated organizations – now we don't get a chance to see Baez and Hence and Win and uh, and you know like and a Winbin Cho like we don't get to see those guys until maybe a couple of years further down the line. Like I would suspect that we don't see Tink Hence in organized baseball uh, that we can watch or follow online uh, until you know next year. You know when the when the complex league kicks in in June or July, whenever that is. I think it's June. He'll be a part of that. We'll be able to follow those stats. But you know that's. That's quiet reporting. You won't get much reporting out of there. You won't hear much. Uh, I know from talking to some of the, the people that he he looks, you know, the only issue with Hens, he has a body for being a pitcher, you know, uh, big, tall, you know, not big, tall, but like he has appropriate body size, the like the shape, the, the skeleton to be a pitcher. And he has measurable pitches and all of his pitches go from the same slot and he has easy velocity. The problem is he's just kind of a, like a lanky kid. He doesn't put on weight, and he's still only 19, 20 years old, so his metabolism is burning through it. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I think the, all the news about Hens is positive. Uh, everyone loves his makeup as well. Um, and uh, was, who was – you asked about somebody else too, right? Yeah, Zach Thompson. Oh, so Zach Thompson is a whole other story. Uh, I've been really impressed with what we've seen out of Zach Thompson. The, the most important number to take out of Thompson is his 1.8% walk rate. Because last year we saw Thompson working from behind a lot and not being able to get back uh, into counts and then walking hitters. And this year he's still working behind a little more than he needs to, but he's also his velocity on his fastball is up. He's really burying his curve. Like we've seen him slow down his arm through his curve. He's really burying it. And like we talked with the, the ABS, the strikes system, like, like we've talked, he really, he really, benefited from it when he was in Charlotte last week in both of his starts because it would it would get give him the low strike with this fastball which is something that he doesn't get called very often uh, for two years now uh, at the minor league level so uh, I would say so far again you'll look at his ERA uh, even the batting average against is kind of high uh, you, but you'll look at those things and maybe be a little deterred and I will tell you that I've seen nothing but positives and gains so far from the Cardinals former first round draft pick uh, lefty Zach Thompson. I, uh, again, I, I think his changeups come a long way. I think his slider is working just a little bit. And, but I think the curveball fastball combo, it has, has taken some really positive steps early on in the 2022 season. And again, you know, just to, just to continue on with all this, because uh, you know, that's, that's what we do, but to continue on, like we're still talking about a very small sample size, um, but it's all positive. Again, try as you guys know i mean you're a smart audience now at this point like look at xfip look at fip go to fan graphs see that i think that gives people a better indication of, of how good a pitcher is at the minor league level um specifically thompson you know he i, I would say other than the 1.8 percent walk rate even like getting his strikeout rate to like the 26 27 percent i think that's super important too 
uh, you know, great news all the way around. So, yeah, you know, that's that's my thought on that. Uh, Mr. Holy Schilt, is there anything else? Any other thoughts? Uh, one more. Um, yeah. This is complete. This is your opinion. Anything okay, okay. like whatever, however you feel. Who do you think the next prospect is to get called up? Who who do you think will be the first in the pecking order to get the call? Okay, so I guess it all depends. Like, if you would ask me, like, I guess Packy Naughton wouldn't have counted. I, the bootlegger, the uh, like, he wouldn't have counted. I would have thought it would have been Jake Walsh. Um, you know, that's that's what I would have thought. And I, I guess I still kind of think that. I think, you know, uh, you still have a couple, another week of the expanded roster. And, uh, you know, I would still think it would be Jake Walsh. You know, I, I don't really know what's going on, but my hope is that it's Brendan Donovan. I, like, I cannot stress enough, like, watching Brendan Donovan over these last couple days is the first that we've really seen, like, 2021 Brendan Donovan. But he's been so good defensively everywhere. And the funny thing is, even, even entering these last two days where he's finally starting to get into, like, being himself, uh, he still had, like, a 120 WRC plus in AAA. And he still, like, wasn't himself just yet. But, you know, he doesn't ever really strike out. And he walks as much as he strikes out. He, like, I just, he's the one. And, again, he's, he's been one of my favorite prospects for a very long time. You guys know this. I've had him on the Dirty, the dirty 35, uh, which is now the Dirty Flirty. I've had him on that for years and years now. Even before anybody else did, he was a top 25 prospect in my Dirty. Uh, so to, he would be one that, like, I would personally pull for. Uh, and then, again, like, you just never know with pitching. You just never know how it's going to go with pitching. Uh, you know, I, now let me ask you, Holy Shield, would you consider, would you consider Oviedo, even though he got, he was victimized today, would you consider that like a prospect? Does that qualify? I mean, I, I guess since he's been up for, he's been up for the last couple of years, I guess I wouldn't consider him that, but. Yeah, you know me, I, I usually, I usually like to stick when I talk about prospects. I usually try to stick with guys who have either hardly been in the majors or haven't made the majors. So, like, Angel Rondon is a guy that I, I would consider a prospect still because he only got, like, two batters or two innings or whatever it was. Like, I, I could – you know, he you talk about somebody who has started to recover some of his prospect standings. Uh, the, the Cardinals 2019 Organizational Pitcher of the Year, Angel Rondon, who was not very good at all last year, to see him pitch out of the Memphis bullpen over these last, uh, these last couple weeks, he has been really, really good. He looks more like that – 2019 prospect in the 2021 so uh you know it's always easy to default to the guys on the 40 man it's always easy to default to relief options so i would say you know either walsh or rondone if one of the bullpen arms goes down uh if one of the starters goes down i think that that's a whole different can of worms you know my guess is that internally they would stick with verhagen or brooks but if there was a long-term starting option i think that they might think of of going to thomas counter thomas or Matthew Libertor. If it was a short-term option, I could see them calling Oviedo or going Woodford. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, and then if you're talking about position players, you look at the 40 man, you know, my first thought is you look at the guys on the 40 man, you look at the path of least resistance. So you're either talking about, uh, you know, Avon Herrera, or you're talking about Brendan Donovan. And I would suggest, I would hope that if an opportunity came up, Brendan Donovan would be the one who would get the call. If they're not going to go, especially because of position versatility, if they're not going to go with somebody like Nolan Gorman or Juan Yepes, because I, you know, Yepes is tough. Yepes makes the most, also makes sense because he's on the 40 man, but he doesn't have necessarily that position versatility. And he, he's kind of uh, relegated to the DH role. And you already have five guys you're trying to get at bats for that. You can't get at bats for other than, you know, Albert Pujols really. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my thought. What do you think? I completely agree with you. I, I think Yepes should stay in the minors until he's guaranteed at bats. That's for sure. Um, but I think that's it. Cool. Well, thank you, Holy Shield. I appreciate the questions. You're you're a peach, and uh, I'm going to remove you from speakers, and I'm going to go to our back to our good friend Christian Rabbit, who I'm re-adding to speakers, who I'm hopeful has another question. Christian, how are you again? Hello, Christian. Are you on mute, Christian? Oh, no. Oh, no. Christian fell asleep at the wheel, guys. This is my fault. Hello, Christian. No. All right. Well, I don't know what's going on with Christian. Hopefully, he can uh, he can interrupt me. But again, you know, if you guys 
continue to bring your questions. We've actually been doing this longer than I thought we would do. I was hoping it would be like 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Um, uh, Christian, I'm going to remove you from speaker. We'll try this again here in a second. But our good friend Matt Thompson uh, from Prospects Live, see, I, this is what has me excited. Uh, I'm going to add you to speaker. I'm going to talk for a second. Uh, but our good friend Matt Thompson from Prospects Live, an awesome guy. Uh, it's nice to have him. And uh, by the way, check out Prospects Live. Uh, uh, Joe Doyle, they're rolling out their amazing draft coverage. Uh, they're awesome people. But Matt, how are you, sir? It's a pleasure to have you. I'm there. good, man. This is a little more, little more formal than I'm used to. I, I like it. I dig it. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll still have time to get super drunk later, but right now, this is uh, this is something new we're going to do. Yeah, I like it. You're a big fan. Uh, I don't really – just a couple, I guess – I mean, these are softball questions for you, but uh, <laughs> just want to say, you know, everyone should be following you, and I'm glad you have such a big following. You've, you've earned it, but uh, thanks for the kind words also. But, uh, I mean, Libertor is probably the most stretched-out starting pitcher we've seen in the minors for anybody right now, right? I mean – not many minor league starters across any teams, except for some of the, you know, 31, 32 year old triple A veterans are going seven, eight, eight, seven, you know, six, seven, eight innings consistently. Um, I know it's impossible to predict, but I mean, I bet he's pitching major league innings in less than a month or so. What do you think? I think that's probably a pretty good guess, right? I, I think you would have to look at how the, the situation works with Jordan Hicks. I think you would probably look at how the situation plays out for the Cardinals with Jack Flaherty. Uh, and then I would think, you know, I would think that if both of those situations don't go well, uh, or if one of them doesn't go well, and the Cardinals were in need of extended major league innings, yeah. uh, that they'd finagle him onto the 40 man. I, that honestly, that would be my guess. You know, you, you bring up the innings and that's a great point. I, I thought, I thought about Connor Thomas first because I think yeah. there's, but I think that there's less like worry there. You can bring him up. You know, he's going to put the ball on the ground. You know, he's going to work quick. Uh, and then if things don't go well, then you don't have to worry. Well, there's not as big of a worry about him taking a step back as there might be with Libertor. But I, I, I think you're right. And I think you hit on it, Matt. I think that if uh, you're looking at an extended break, an extended issue where say uh, they want, you know, Flaherty ends up having to go on the 60 day. It's not looking good. I could definitely envision a situation in which Libertor is uh, is is the guy. It, it's funny, real fast. It's funny that you bring that up about the innings. I was thinking about that today, right? Because the Cardinals have Garrett Williams, who they acquired in the Rule Five Draft in 2019. He's in Double A. Uh, yeah, pitching at Double A. Right. And he he pitched like four innings today and only threw like 60 pitches. Well, here and here's I, another thing coming up too to build on that. MLB rosters right now are expanded. Pretty soon, they're not going to be. Yeah. So how. It's another thing, and we all love Jordan Hicks, but is it going to be viable to carry a starting pitcher that's going three innings every day? Yeah, yeah I'm anxious to find out. You know, and so, on top of that, like with with the way, with as you know, as little as they've used Woodford, as little as Verhagen and Brooks have have shown, uh, as you know, as as little as they put on display. Like, it's a whole fascinating thing that they're going to have to face in a matter of a week with what they're going to do with those two spots. You know, uh, before you came in, Matt, one of the things we t I, I mentioned very briefly is as good as Palante has been pitching out of the bullpen, there is still like, there is still long-term starting depth concerns. And he's definitely one. I, you know, I would send back down to the minors and get stretched back out because you're probably going to need him at some point. And also that's, it's a, it's a selfish hope for me because I've seen so many of my favorite prospects kind of, get pigeonholed into a relief role before they had a chance to start. Ryan Helsley. <coughs> I think I got something in my throat there. I'm sorry. All right, cool. No, you're fine. Hey, Matt, it's a, <laughs> it's a pleasure to talk to you. I have a couple other people with some questions. Uh, one, I'm going to, I'm going to say thank you so much for, for, oh, yeah. for your expertise and being here, brother. This is, a, this is, I feel honored and it's a pleasure. And, uh, and you just, and congratulations on the baby too. You just had a baby a little while ago. Uh, my wife had the baby, but yeah, yeah. we 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 did it. She'll, she'll be the first to tell us to tell that. But uh, no, appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. Yep, yep. All right, Christian. I see that you you're back. But before we get to you, I'm gonna get to uh, Mac Wake three sixteen. I'm adding him as a speaker. Uh, Mac Wake three sixteen. How are you, my friend? Are you there, Mac? Well, see, this is the one thing about spaces. We're still trying to figure that out. Uh, Christian, I'm going to you. I'm adding you as a speaker. Uh, are you there, Christian? Yes, sir. I'm here. 
Hey, babies, how good, are you? Good, thank you, friend. Sorry about that. Um, I don't know what happened. I got kicked and I couldn't hear any audio. I could see that my speaker was on, so apologies for that. I'm sure that was painful. No, it was fine. So um, this uh, this particular question might be for the layman of the group or the listeners, and that includes me for sure, because as I have alluded to, I'm an imbecile. and I don't follow the minor leagues enough. Um, with minor league contraction, the at-bats that would usually have gone to the guys like Mason Wynn, Juan Bin Cho, uh, et al., um, what happens to them now that they're no longer in affiliated leagues with the Cardinals farm teams? Where do they get their at-bats? How do they keep going? Are they are they still under contract by the team itself? Or are they looking for, for independent leagues to get their at-bats? Yeah, you know, there's still like, think about it like there's an extended minor league camp going on. It's kind of like it's kind of like spring training, but it's it's a little bit different, a little bit structured, a, a little bit differently. Uh, it's more like workouts that uh, a good portion of those prospects, not Mason Wynn, because Mason Wynn is in Peoria. He hit his first home run of the season. He's thriving. He's hitting like close to 500. Uh, he, he's amazing. But like, uh, uh, you know, Markevian Hentz, um, uh, Winbin Cho, Joshua Baez, Trey Fletcher, like the, what they are is think about it as like they're going through instructs, like instructions more than anything. And that would have happened even with uh, before minor league contraction. Those seasons usually started in the middle part of June. Uh, but before that happened, uh, you know, what would happen is in June, we would see those guys get a chance to not only get play in the complex league, but they would also get a chance to play at either uh, short season low A or short season A, uh, which would have been Johnson City and State College, respectively, once those seasons would kick in in June. But yeah, right now it's just like instructs more than anything else. Uh, and then when the complex league, the Florida Complex League gets started again in the middle part of June. Then they'll play more organized games as opposed to just like instructs. I, I, that's good to know. I say that I figured the main concern there would be if it was solely instructional would be live at bat or live 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 pitching, as it were. So it's it's good to know that they're still getting the experience that they need, especially because I know the Cardinals' lower minor leagues were a really good, impressive developmental step for a lot of the yeah. organizational prospects. So it's good to know that there isn't going to be a deficit because of some clownery from Rob Manfred. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, Christian, thanks again for asking another question. Did that cover what you were hoping to ask? Yes, sir. Thank you again for imparting your knowledge. No, I love it, brother. Thank you. All right. I am going to, we're going to try, uh, we are going to try Mac Wake, uh, Mac Wake 316 again. We'll see how this goes. Can you hear me, Mac Wake? It says, yes, Hello? I can hear you now. For some reason, I couldn't hear the audio, but, uh, yeah, I I assume this has probably have been answered in some you know form or fashion, but given the kind of uh, issues we've had at the minor at the major league uh, level, you know, against right-handed pitchers, you know, with Corey Dickerson having you know working on that traction, etc., what would the plan be like if you saw a Gorman call up? What would you do with him, and then how would that possibly differ from what you expect the Cardinals may do with him later on in the season? It would be important for me. By the way, thanks thanks for chiming in. Thanks for the question. It's a pleasure to hear your voice. Um, I uh, It would be different for me, right? I hate the idea of bringing a kid up that would just be a DH. And I know a lot of Cardinal fans default to that. Uh, but especially like with Nolan Gorman, who has, who is still working on the craft to second base, although he's gotten pretty good. Um, I, I wouldn't want him to just be a DH option. I wouldn't want him to have the current role that Lars Newbar or Corey Dickerson have. I don't think that's enough at bats for a 21-year-old kid, uh, especially a 21-year-old kid that isn't a surefire, uh, comfortable middle infielder. So, you know, to me, when you, when you, we talk about Corey Dickerson, it's not, it's not necessarily the Corley, Corey Dickerson of it all that matters to me. I think, I think that we just say left-handed bat and I think that that's kind of irrelevant to the conversation. It's the middle infield thing. You know, what's going on with the young, what's going on with Sosa? Uh, can Edmund play short? Because, you know, really what it boils down to in my mind, and I'm hopeful the Cardinals are following this too, is in my mind, when can he play second on a regular basis? Not just as a lefty bat against righties. When can he play second base on a regular basis? And that's, you know, that to me, that ropes in Edmund, it ropes in Sosa, and it ropes in DeYoung. And, you know, without Tommy Edmund getting any real reps at short, uh, as it's been reported by our, our terrific local journalists, um, without it being uh, something that the Cardinals have really seriously thought of, then I would imagine that 
Paul DeYoung not having success and then Edmundo Sosa not having success would be what might catapult the next level and even maybe even Brendan Donovan, depending on how that goes, but what might end up catapulting that next level of getting Nolan Gorman to the majors. Uh, again, you know, what works against him and Libertor is that they're not on the 40 man where it's not an easy situation to make. Uh, so that that's what I think. I think that the Cardinals would probably handle it similarly, but you know, we have seen in the past, they haven't been afraid to call a guy up when they need an offensive spark. You know what? You can go all the way back to Randall Gritchick calling up Randall Gritchick over Oscar Tavares because Gritchick was hitting and Tavares wasn't, you know, they just went to Gritchick because he was hammering the baseball. He was a highly thought of prospect. They needed an infusion and they went to him and it didn't necessarily work out the way that they had hoped. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Mac would you say that that answers your question? Do you have any additional thoughts? No, yeah, that definitely did. And um, so my question, I guess the follow-up would be, would your plan be to move a guy like Edmund over to shortstop if DeYoung doesn't, you know, kind of find it here to get Tommy those repeated reps at second base? Would uh, would you call up another guy to maybe take over that or let Sosa do it full-time? What would your plan be? If you would say, if you got to the point where, obviously you didn't feel like you had a, a better middle field option combo that had to include Gorman. Yeah. You know, this is, this is fun because uh, this is where I get caught between like, if I was running an organization and me as the fan, if I was running an organization, I feel like once we got into May a little bit, I would say, or even right now, cause we're close enough to May and you know, kind of what they're doing with the young today and tomorrow where they're sitting him, I would say, all right, let's give Sosa a little bit of run. Let's see what he can do. Let's see if he can continue to repeat what he did you know, uh, in 2021, and I'd give that a little bit of run. Uh, I would also find opportunities to get uh, maybe Sosa some time at second and Edmund some time at short, because I think it's going to be important to have Tommy Edmund uh, getting getting some reps at short one way or the other, because he he is the future of second base. Uh, that's Nolan Gorman. As good of a defensive second baseman as he is with the gold glove, et cetera, the future of second base is Nolan Gorman. Uh, so, my, if I was running the organization, it would be Sosa would get a little run. I'd give him a chance to fail. I would also get Edmund some time there. And then when it looked like nothing else was working, then that's when I would probably go to Gorman. But as a fan, what I want is I want Tommy Edmund starting, uh, at, you know, <laughs> an unrealistic Craven fan. I would want Tommy Edmund starting at shortstop tomorrow. And I would want uh, Nolan Gorman going up against Max Scherzer. Uh, and then maybe even like I've, I've mentioned, like, having Brendan Donovan as an option somewhere along the lines, uh, which again, it seems like they're in uh, conflicting sides of each other, but that's, I think that's what I would do, man. No, that definitely makes sense. And I, I completely understand it from, you know, kind of the practical side of organizational development. And then also the fan side, because I mean, who doesn't want to see Norman Goldman hit bombs at uh, Bush stadium? <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you imagine if they were to call him up tomorrow or, uh, you know, say again, say theoretically, you know, he say that they were to call up any prospect tomorrow. You know, like uh, Brendan Donovan gets a chance against Max Scherzer tomorrow. Nolan Gorman gets a chance against uh, uh, Max Scherzer tomorrow. Even like right. Jordan mm-hmm. Walker. Like, can you imagine how exciting of a moment that would be? Even absolutely. Oh man! Like, even if it wasn't at Bush. So yeah, that that's where I'm at. The, the idea of getting to see one of the kids get pressed into service against one of the all times greats would be the coolest thing ever. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, it's the same thing as when, you know, all the way back, the, the first memory I really have, <laughs> which is funny, of th- this kind of happening was when Tavares got called up and he hit the huge home run and everybody, it was just that kind of moment. So definitely, you know, from a fan perspective, I understand it. Thank you for answering that question. Hey, you're a good man. Thank you for uh, being a part of this. And uh, when we do this again, I hopefully, hopefully we'll get to hear from you again. All right. Certainly love to. This is great. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, uh, well we're going to remove you from a speaker. And then we're going to go to uh, Taylor Cruz, who I've added as a speaker. Uh, this might be the last question we do. We'll see how it goes. But Taylor, uh, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. So I just had a quick question. Um, one of the we have a lot of really good low level starters, and one of the ones that is probably my favorite is Edwin Nunez. He's yeah. I think he's in extended spring right now still, but I guess. I'm wondering, do you think he's going to end up being on any of the games they broadcast like down in Palm Beach this year? I would think last year he spent some time there, so I would think he would get there. But I'm just wondering what your thoughts were, because he looked a little overmatched last year, had trouble with his command. 
I, you know, Malcolm Nunez is, he's just a fun prospect because of the high spin, highly measurable stuff that he has, you know, high velocity fastball, uh, high spinning breaking pitch, uh, high spinning fastball. He just doesn't know what to do with it just yet. I would suspect that there will be a time during the season where he finds his way back to Palm beach. Like you mentioned, he was there last year. Um, they just took a step back to try to work with him, you know, com- getting a better control of his body. You know, just some of the video that we saw last year, because unfortunately Palm Beach isn't a part of MILB TV. So we get to rely on Ian Smith, who uh, you should follow on Twitter. He's part of Prospects Live. He posts video. Uh, Bailey Scribnick, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He'll he'll put video on there. Uh, you'll, you have to kind of sort through Twitter to find video of, of kids like that at Palm beach, because Palm beach isn't part of MILB TV, but I would imagine he'll go back to he'll find his way back to Palm beach at some point this year, maybe with some cleaned up mechanics. But that, what I was getting at before I lost my train of thought is we definitely saw last year, he had trouble repeating his mechanics and he had uh, as impressive as he can strike people out as impressive as his stuff is. He doesn't really command or control it particularly well. Uh, and, it has a lot to do, in my opinion, with his throwing motion more than anything else. So, uh, again, he's one of those fun kids. Like, the Cardinals have maybe – and maybe it's a little bit different perspective-wise because we don't have the short season. We're You know, we're coming off of our first season without the short season. But they have kind of like this corral of players who are more exciting than maybe they've had corralled away from the general the general consciousness of prospects. You know, again – Pardon me, uh, not to keep bringing the same names up, but, you know, Luis Pino, um, a couple of the guys that they, they signed as part of this past international draft, uh, uh, Winbin Cho, um, hence Fletcher, uh, you know, uh, even even though he's playing at Palm Beach right now, Jeremy Rivas, like uh, Jeremy Ramos, uh, Felix, Felix Tavares, who was maybe their best player um, in the complex or in the DSL last year. Uh, you know, just a really interesting, a really good, interesting athletic player. Like they have a very interesting corral of young players that are kind of hidden away from the rest of us that uh, are more exciting than I can ever really remember them having. But uh, that's that's to get away from your your question about Malcolm Nunez, which is to say I am super excited about him. I put him number 20 on the dirty flirty over at Birds on the Black, uh, which you should definitely check out if you haven't. Uh, because he's he's the perfect example of practical application versus projection. You can project him. You can see him. Uh, he's halfway through the dirty thirty, the dirty flirty, the the top forty prospects on my list because of that. You know, you can project him. You can see how he would be not only a major league contributor, but somebody with the same cachet of like Alex Reyes somewhere down the line if he can keep fixing himself and keep adjusting. But you also could see a situation where he falls into something less than Junior Fernandez, a guy who cannot get command, who cannot find it. Uh, some of those old, some of those relievers from past days um, that, that never really manifested themselves at the major league level. So I put him 20, I put him right in the middle because he's the perfect combo of projection and actual application of skill. Uh, I would suspect now with some of the influx of talent that they've brought in that I would probably drop him you know, quite a bit um, there are some guys, especially like Dionis Rodriguez, um, who was 35, I think 34 or 35, or maybe 36 on the dirty flirting, who is now pitching for Peoria, who is, he probably projects to be a bullpen arm because he's also kind of, he kind of lacks command control, but he's just more advanced than Malcolm Nunez or than Edwin Nunez is. Um, so I, like, he's really interesting, but yeah, look, he's, he's an incredibly talented young man who's still only 19 years old, who's working on his craft. Uh, what, what do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, I'm someone who's just really big on all the spin rates and stuff like that, too. So that's why I have high hopes for him. Same with, like, Alex Reyes. Even with him being hurt all the time, I still have hopes that one day he's going to become the person that he could be. Because, quite frankly, you look at other teams, you look at stuff like the Brewers where they have, like, I was always really big on Corbin Burns, even when he was bad. And then all of a sudden, he turned everything around. So yeah. I, I, I always have those high you know, hopes for those people, even more than like the junior Fernandez, who's more of like a low spin rate sinker ball kind of guy. But yeah, I agree with you. He's definitely someone who you can project him, but he's got a long way to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's even more fun then 
you get somebody who's kind of in the middle of both of those, like Jordan Hicks, who doesn't necessarily have the big spinny pitches. Like it doesn't spin the way that you would expect from his movement profile uh, and who doesn't necessarily get the swing and miss, but is still super exciting and, and, you know, caught kind of between in some ways the hype of Alex Reyes and the hype of Junior Fernandez and even like the skill set of the two of them. Right. Oh yeah. I'm big on Jordan Hicks too, just because with that sinker, I, I, I don't know when it comes to fastballs, I am in one of two camps. I want you to have a really good sinker or I want you to have a high spin rate fastball. The fastballs I like the least are the league average. I feel like those ones just get hit around the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a, you know, that's what they say. That's, you know, you can look at that little chart that tells you, you know, X amount of RPMs has this level of hard hit rate. And then as you go down specifically with fastballs and you get down into the lower RPMs, those, those pitches get torched. So yeah, like uh, it's, it's all really important. Uh, I know one thing, um, one thing that I've been reading about specifically a lot, uh, dating back to like last off season. And I don't know how this applies to all pitchers. Again, I'm, I'm still very novice when it comes to pitch access, access rather, you know, uh, how a pitch is moving. Like I'm still, I'm still learning all that. I'm not smart enough for a lot of it, but you know, uh, one of the things I've been interested to read about uh, from people that are way smarter than me is, you know, uh, arm angle and the way that pitches are thrown from certain arm angles and how to maximize a player's repertoire uh, based on what their arm angle is. And that's, that's a whole nother level of, of, of this prospect understanding that supersedes RPMs that uh, maybe one of these days I can take a course in at the library, like English as a second language, which I should probably take as well. Oh yeah. That, that's something that's really tough to follow too, because you look at someone like Jack Flaherty who has a dominant slider, but you look at the break, you look at the spin, you look at everything with his fastball, all of it's pretty average, but he pitched tunnels so well, it causes yeah. so many swings and misses. So there's so many things you can look at when it comes to pitching. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it even more amazing when, uh, you know, you get a fifth round draft pick like Gordon Graceppo, who makes it past four rounds that you get, who looks like uh, the ultimate diamond in the rough. So, yeah, Taylor, again, thank you, brother, for, for taking part in this. I appreciate you asking the questions. Hopefully uh, this will be something we do on a semi-regular basis on Sunday nights. And hopefully uh, we can continue to have the, this lovely conversation. All right. Thanks. All right. So I think, hold on, I got one more person requesting. This will this will more than likely be our last, our last, um, oh no, this is not going to be good, is it? Uh, I'm going to invite, at a speaker, Stan Lee. Stan Lee, you have anything, or are you uh, going to try to hijack this conversation? Hello, are you there? Hello? <laughs> All right, we'll remove you from speaker. Um, yeah, so anyways, that is our first episode of the Prospect Macarena. Uh, if you're listening to this, it'll be on the Birds on the Black uh, podcast network. We're going to also be on Charlie Marlowe's YouTube page. Feel free to check it out. But for everybody at Birds on the Black, uh, everybody at Prospects After Dark, I am Kyle Reese. I'm your host. My hope is that we can do this every Sunday night. Uh, and... Um, you know, normally we end prospects after dark with a happy hunting. If you're part, if you're listening to this, you're part of the Reese existence. Uh, but we're not going to do any of that because I don't know where to go. So, uh, anyways, I love you all. I hope you had fun. Uh, check out Birds on the Black, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>